Hello, Puggies, and welcome to the Pug Life Show, brought to you by Pug Parties, because your pug deserves to be the best dressed at the party, and you can check out their outfits at pugparties.com. I'm your host, Donna, and with me are my puggy co-hosts, Rosie and Kenji, and you can probably hear Rosie grumbling in the background. Today, I'm talking about that question we ask ourselves every time we have to make a big decision about our pug's well-being. And I don't think I've ever met a pug parent who hasn't asked this of themselves or at least discussed it with another pug parent. You know what I'm talking about. It's those questions like, am I feeding them the right food? Am I making the right decision about a veterinary procedure? Am I really capable of caring for a pug? And the dreaded, am I making the right decision when it comes to making that decision? So I thought I'd share with you some of my am I doing the right thing moments and what I have learned so far from them. But before we zoom in, I want to remind you to subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes so you get advance notice of our episodes and much, much more. Now, recently, we changed our vet for one that deals with pugs on a more regular basis because we wanted to make sure that we didn't miss anything with Rosie getting older and Kenji having a long list of health challenges. Now, not surprising, our new pug-wise vet picked up on an issue with Rosie's left hip and suggested that while we were cleaning her final three teeth, that they take an x-ray of her hips to make sure that it isn't anything sinister. Now, as a side note, Rosie has lost her last three toothuses and she is now officially a gummy girl, but we still love her all the same, although I don't think she was loving me too much in return after she woke up from the procedure, the poor girl. Now, interestingly, the x-ray provided us with a surprise we weren't expecting. I say unexpected because Rosie, at the age of 10, still jumps up on the couch when it suits her. She refuses to use the ramp that is mere feet away. She sits like a pug half her age and happily goes on walks with us and goes to playgroup under sufferance, which basically means that she's happy to go as long as she is cuddled by someone the entire time she's there. Now, with all of that context in mind, you can imagine my surprise when the vet showed me an X-ray of Rosie's hips where her right was basically fine, but her left was so not. Now, the vet had tried to get her hip into the correct position, but was unable to because Rosie's got hip dysplasia. It was almost like her left leg was about a 45-degree angle to her body, whereas her right was more straight, which is a more typical position. I will admit, when the vet first put the X-ray up on the screen – I honestly thought they'd put up the wrong one and that they were about to apologise and then go to the real x-ray, which showed us that everything was okay. So it took me a moment to register that my little girl had such a problematic hip and that I had missed it for years. I will say that I did feel a mix of emotions at this point, mainly guilt and shame because I never noticed any issues and we spend a lot of time together. And then I have to admit, a little bit of annoyance, kind of anger. How did the last vet not pick up on this? Rosie had been going there for as long as we have had her, and I don't recall them ever mentioning it. 
Now, I'm not here to pick on vets or judge them for what they did or didn't pick up on. Let's face it, I see Rosie all day, every day, and I didn't pick up on it. So it's only fair to say that a vet that sees her a couple of times a year for a few minutes may not see it either. All I can say is that going to a vet that has a lot of experience with pugs is worth the effort since we now know what our options are to make Rosie's quality of life better in her final years, which is the dilemma I'm now faced with. What do I do that is right for Rosie's quality of life balanced against the fact that she is 10? Every pug I've had the privilege of being a pug mum to has put me in the position of having to ask myself, am I doing the right thing? So this dilemma is not new to me. With Rosie, we're now exploring options that range from medication to surgery. We know that at her age, surgery is risky and it may not give her everything we want it to and it's expensive like all veterinary procedures are. We're also taking into consideration that from what we can tell, it hasn't stopped her from living her best life to date, although we have noticed a little slowing down that we had attributed to her age. We have all of our pugs on joint formula as part of their usual routine, so we already had that covered off, but we might need to go more heavy duty to see if that makes life a little bit better for our princess in the long run. Either way, we're now in the research and weigh up options phase of the am I doing the right thing conversation, which is why I thought I'd share with you what we have either done ourselves or what we know others have done in similar situations in the past to help you basically research a bit calmer in the future. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Now, because we're still in the early stages of our decision process with Rosie, I'm going to use examples from one of my other pugs, Winston, with whom we had to ask this question repeatedly over a 12-month period whilst he was in and out of hospital due to complications from surgery and pneumonia. And it's a lot easier to talk about something that we've already done than what we're still kind of going through at the moment. So, my first piece of advice is talk to your vet about all the options, the pros and cons, and the timeframes you have for each option. Generally, there is always more than one option to treat or deal with a veterinary issue, and your vet should talk to you about all of them in order from the least invasive to the most invasive and their estimated success with your pug. It's really important that you ask lots of questions about each option and their likelihood of success in relation to your pug because nothing is guaranteed and your pug's individual overall health will factor into your vet's estimations of the success of the treatment. Now, Andrew and I faced this with Winston's specialist when he rang to tell us that Winston had an antibiotic-resistant bacteria in his lungs. And the only treatment known to work at the time also had the potential to kill him if they didn't get the dosage right. As you can imagine, after we got over the shock, we asked a lot of questions. And based on the initial answers we received, we asked the specialist to come back with a better option because we weren't happy with the answers we were getting. 
Thankfully, our specialist went back to the drawing board with the help of the wider veterinary specialist community, and he come back with an option that was still risky, but much less so than the first option. The new treatment plan saw Winston beating the bacteria in the end and giving us our puggy boy back for Christmas that year. It was a gamble, but we decided that the gamble was worth it after a lot of talking and soul searching, knowing that the bacteria itself was terminal as well. Second piece of advice, do not make a decision on the spot unless your puggy is in danger or in severe pain. Take the time to weigh up all the information your vet has provided you. Now, obviously, If the situation is simple and the options to treat the issue are all about the same, i.e. cost the same, risk is about the same, then make a decision on the spot will be easy and your puggy will be feeling better in no time, which is what every pug porent wants. But if the options range from medication to surgery, then there is a lot more to consider and making a decision on the spot may not be the best option for your puggy. Now, in our example, Winston was incredibly sick at this point in time, and Andrew and I were really concerned for his long-term health, but making a decision on the spot about the initial treatment plan offered was not wise. Not only was Andrew and I understandably emotional about the news of his condition, we were acutely aware that Winston's level of fitness was not optimal because of the pneumonia he'd cracked contracted after his surgery and that any decision we made had to be without our emotions clouding our judgment. Now, as his porents, we felt that we had to take a day to process all of the information as well as see if the specialist could come up with a new option that might not be as dangerous. Thankfully, because we waited, we were in a better mindset to discuss the new and old treatment plans the next day and we could then make a decision there and then knowing that we were making the right decision for Winston's well-being. Number three, get a second opinion if you're not sure, including going to a specialist if your vet recommends it. Now, no vet should be offended that you want a second opinion and they should offer it to you, especially if it's a complicated or unusual case. No vet has seen everything, and they should be willing to put you in contact with a peer who may have more experience with the condition your puggy is presenting with. Yes, it means another vet bill, but it may also provide you with better options or at least a better understanding of what is going on with your puggy. We did this with Winston and it paid off in the long run with a treatment option that had a better success potential than the first option offered. Number four, weigh up any online research with the source of the information. I think knowledge is power and the internet is providing that in spades these days, but be careful where you get your info from. All advice should come from a reputable source, such as the relevant state or national veterinary body, or from a registered pug club who gets vets to write their blog articles. Now, articles should have a disclaimer about the advice being given as general advice only and that your pug's individual circumstances would need to be taken into consideration before a course of action is taken. 
Now, if it's not there, view the article and advice with caution since you may not know the credentials of the person writing the article. I typically use the internet to research the condition or issue in general to make sure that I understand what it is, how it could have come about, and what are the typical solutions that would be recommended by a vet. I do this because when the first tells you about your puggy's health issue, you're getting a lot of information in a short period of time. So giving yourself some time to sit down and gather your thoughts with the facts on hand allows you to make the best decision you can with a clear head. And let's face it, what's better than doing some decision making when you've got a sleeping puggy on your lap as well? Now, number five If funds are tight, consider running a GoFundMe or equivalent campaign to get help to cover the costs. Non-pug porins say that pugs are expensive dogs to maintain in a very generalistic manner, to which I always say, show me a breed that doesn't have some sort of genetic or hereditary condition that has a percentage of the breed in the vet for ongoing care. So to me, pugs are no more expensive than a dash hound or a Dalmatian. It doesn't matter the breed. There will always be the outlier cases that people talk about a playgroup that cost a small fortune to resolve that no one saw coming and usually wasn't covered by pet insurance. We were that case with Winston. Over a 12-month period, from his first surgery to the final medical intervention to deal with the bacteria in his lungs, we spent over $20,000. Now, Andrew and I are dinks and therefore had savings to cover the unexpected hospital stays and could cover the smaller monthly bills at payday as well. But not everyone has that sort of spare cash sitting around waiting to be spent on an unplanned surgery or hospital stay. So if this happens to you and your savings can't quite cover the bill, consider running a GoFundMe campaign. Now, I haven't done it personally, but I know of other people who have, and it has helped immensely. There are people out there that don't or can't own a pug for various reasons, but who still want to help out other puggies when they can, which to me is a win-win situation. Most fundraising websites have areas that detail what you can do to raise funds for a vet's vet bills, pet's vet bills. So make sure to take the time to read their guidance and have some great pictures and video of your puggy to go with your campaign as well because everybody loves puggy pictures. Now, number six, Ask other people in your pug community if they have come up against a similar issue and what their experience was like. I'm not recommending that you ignore what your vet or specialist is advising and go with Dr. Google or the person that you just met at the Leash Free Park, but you may have to make a serious decision and speaking to someone who has had a similar experience to you helps. Even if it's just to hear the words, it's okay, I was shit scared myself, or I had no idea if I was making the right decision or not, so I went with my gut and chose the option that gave my puggy the best chance of success really helps. I think that sometimes just knowing that other pug porins have been in a similar situation to yours, because no two are exactly the same, makes your journey a little easier. 
they may tell you about their amazing vet or specialist that you can go to for a second opinion or the changes they made to the house so that their puggy's recovery was as comfortable as possible. Or they may have figured out a way of hand feeding their very food orientated puggy without losing a finger. And as a sidebar, if you haven't guessed, I didn't figure out how to feed Winston without losing a finger. So anyone who has is very welcome to come onto the podcast and share this gem because I know I'd really like to know. My last piece of advice is know that whatever decision you make, you're doing the best that you can for your puggy and they'll love you for it. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, every parent asks themselves at some point in their puggy's lives, am I doing the right thing? And I say, if you're doing what you can to make your puggy's life better, then you're doing the right thing. What's more, I know there are thousands of pug porins out there that have gone through this themselves or are going through it right now like we are with Rosie. So you're not alone. Now on that note, we'd love for you to share your stories about the time you asked yourself if you're doing the right thing over in our Facebook group, Living the Pug Life, because that's where crazy pug porins hang out. And if you liked this episode or you think it would be useful for someone else, please share and leave a review with your favourite podcast host so more pug porants can find us and join in with the fun. So until next time, puggies, thank you for joining us today. Have a pawsome week and humans, be generous with the snackies.